0: I'm not sure that scene actually happened. Um, there's, I don't know if there's any historical proof. I read so much on Lincoln, my head is exploding this week. But I couldn't find that conversation. But it perfectly paints a point, I think, that needs to be made. And if you missed it, the beginning question is, do you think we choose to be born... And he's asking a telegraph operator and the engineer who fixes it when it breaks down so that it keeps working. Do we choose to be born? And, And the telegraph operator says, I don't suppose so. And then he follows up with a very deep question. Are we fitted to the times we're born into? Now, this is Lincoln asking this question. That's a pretty big statement. Has he been fitted into the times he's been born into? And the telegraph operator responds, I don't know about myself. You may be, sir, fitted. He's respectful and, and, and you know, loves Lincoln, I believe. And he says, you're an important guy. I don't know if I am. And so I want to ask that question, was he today? Let's take a look at his life and see, was he fitted and then maybe answer some questions about our own lives. Are we fitted? Now, when he asked the engineer, is he, 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 you know, he said, what do you think? You're an engineer, right? And he said, is life planned? Is, are we fitted? Is there a reason for all this? Did someone do this? And the engineer's answer is depressing. And you see the look on Lincoln's face afterwards. He's like, oh, well, thanks for that lousy answer. You know, I'm disregarding that. You must know about Euclid's whatever and all that. And so he goes on and says, uh, the engineer says, the secular perspective. There is no plan. There is no shaper of lives. I'll admit there's machinery, but no fitter. No point. No purpose to all this pain and bloodshed and difficulty and strife. Isn't that engineer's perspective depressing? you have that perspective, man, what a bummer. Your life really has no point. I like the telegraph operator's answer. Maybe. Maybe mine, probably yours, I don't know. Let's take a look at how Lincoln was raised and and begin to answer this question. He was born into a Baptist family that believed slavery was wrong. They took him to church after church that taught him this. And so uh, his whole life, that was the way it went. And when uh, Lincoln was about seven or eight years old, um, Lincoln's father was one of the most wealthy men in his county in Kentucky where Lincoln was born. And in a a series of court battles... Lincoln's father lost all of his land over falsified deeds and things like that. And misdone, surveyed, and property lines. He lost it all. What an injustice. Do you think Lincoln's family was going through a storm that may have shaped his future life? The lines of property, things like that. So Lincoln's uh, father uh, decided to move the family afterwards. He was embarrassed by the situation, and he wanted to move towards an anti-slavery state. So he moved to the great state next door, Indiana. And uh, when he was nine years old, Lincoln's mother, Nancy, died of milk sickness. Somebody came up last service and told me what that was because I have no idea Well, when cows eat bad weeds, it can poison the milk and kill the people who drink it. And so it affects a region. And a lot of people will die when that weed grows up in that region. And so uh, Lincoln's eldest sister, Sarah, took on the job of raising Lincoln for about a year. And uh, then Lincoln's dad married Sarah Bush Johnson. And Lincoln became very close to her for the rest of his life and called her mother. The family began attending Pigeon Creek Baptist Church where he was taught once again, slavery is wrong. And so Lincoln's uh, education was also a pretty interesting little thing here. It was spotty at best. There's only two recorded teachers that he ever had and they didn't stay for very long. But he picked up the knack for reading and that started a huge habit in his life of reading whenever he could find a new book he read it and the largest book he had the most access to with the most stories and interesting things in it was the bible king james version and he had uh, he, he would read it and there would be nothing else as interesting to read so he would read it again, and read it again. And we don't know how many times he read it, but that was the book he had most access to. Was God shaping a little boy at the time? Was He shaping a young man by placing His Word in his heart, giving him no other options to read? Was Lincoln fitted? Soon after moving to Indiana, an outbreak of the milk sickness hit the community again. And Lincoln's father, being afraid of this whole thing, decided to pick up his family and move again. Does anybody know what great state he moved to at this point? Welcome home, Lincoln. Welcome home. Uh, he moved to New Salem, Illinois. And, uh, and while he was there, uh, he grew older started working um, until he was 21 years old, he gave every dollar he earned to his father. Now later on in life, um, he continued to make his own money and his relationship with his father grew increasingly distant. Lincoln Lincoln would become more educated and his father would stay the same. And he would become more educated and important and his father would stay the same. And a distance grew between them. But throughout his life, Lincoln loaned his father money. Uh, he's an honorable guy. At 22 years old, Lincoln set out to buy canoe to become his own man. That's an interesting thing. He doesn't get a car in that day, a canoe, right? Found a job at a... Um, A general merchandise store and uh, and the the man who owned the store um, lost my notes here oh the man who owned the store uh, said I need some new stuff you seem to be a good strong boy he he built fences he was great with an axe I think you can guide a boat down the Mississippi and so he hired Lincoln to get on a boat go down the Mississippi and bring the products to New Orleans. New Orleans. I can't say it right. And there, Lincoln saw firsthand with his own eyes the evil of slavery that they had talked about in church so many times. He saw its brutality and all of its splendor. And so what did Lincoln do? he walked 750 miles back home. Do you think God had a plan to let him see slavery and then take a long walk home to think about it? Do you have those moments where God changed your life through a trial or seeing something difficult? He does those things. Lincoln came back to New Salem and he he. Uh, tried to begin becoming a businessman. He took some money that he had earned and invested it and became a partner in a general store. And despite a roaring economy, the business failed. Lincoln, not the best entrepreneur. So he decided, hey, I'm going to run for general assembly. A lot of people seem to like me, know me from the store. I'll run for office. And was... Defeated soundly, was Lincoln handing him, or was God handing Lincoln some humility that he would need to make wise decisions later in life? But when you're in Lincoln's shoes, you don't see what God's up to, do you? You don't sense the the power of the eternal plan that God has put into purpose or put into existence for you. You don't sense those things, and Lincoln didn't either. After this, he served as a a postmaster, and then he became a land surveyor, which is interesting. Uh, I worked with land surveyors uh, while I was here at Springbrook the first time uh, in my career. Uh, And this would require him to sign and verify the same type of land titles that cost his family their farm and their lands. And after doing this for a while, Lincoln decided... I'm going to become a prairie lawyer. So does anybody know how he did that? What school he went to? Did he go to New York or some fancy school? Nope. He went to a library and got a copy of some English law books and read them and studied them and went to court and observed it happening and took its test and became a lawyer. And that was it. When they asked him who he had studied with and where his degree came from, he said, I studied with nobody. And he became a brilliant lawyer. He learned how to argue a case. He watched how people deceived themselves into thinking they were right when they were actually wrong. Lincoln had to learn how to pick a fight. Um, When Lincoln was a young boy, a younger man, he... uh, he uh, had been building fences and had gotten pretty strong. And he met up with a street gang, and he didn't like the way the street gang was chall- being or acting towards people. So he challenged the leader of the street gang to a fight, and in a brutal fight, he came out the victor. Uh, I just say don't pick fights with axemen. It's a bad idea. Lincoln wasn't. Very big, brawny axeman. who knew how to work hard. He knew how to argue well. He knew how to reason. And God was sharpening his tongue to speak the truth and to present his case. Do you think God was fitting Lincoln? Do you think Lincoln even knew? He had no idea. He was passed over for really important jobs he thought he should get. He helped a president become president, uh, and then the president said, uh, "I'm going to give you a a place out in Oregon, where you will ruin your political career." When Lincoln thought he was going to get a very high assignment, he was passed by. Uh, Was Lincoln, you know, made humble by that? Did he have to learn to overcome defeat and discouragement? You betcha. Do you think Lincoln in his wildest dreams ever imagined that he would become the great emancipator? I don't think at this point he had a clue. Did he know that God was going to use him to stand in judgment over a nation? Did Lincoln know that the blood of 620,000 American soldiers would pass through his hands during his presidency. You think he knew? Do you think he had any idea of what kind of things that God was going to accomplish through him? Even more were wounded and maimed in the war. So was the great engineer involved. The very character and emotional fiber was being intimately affected and spoken to by God his whole life are you do you feel that important do you feel like God is shaping your heart and your being he was being made tough and strong and forgiving and gracious I think one of the places this is most present is his love life. Um, Lincoln's first wife died of typhoid fever. Not first wife, first engagement, his first girlfriend, died of typhoid fever. The second girl that he had the chance to marry that he was engaged to, he wrote a letter to and he said, I know I'm not a great guy, I wouldn't blame you if you called off the engagement. How did she respond? She didn't at all ever she just pretended like he didn't exist anymore never wrote back never said a word so lincoln's lincoln then met a lady named mary todd from lexington kentucky she was from a wealthy slave owning family many of her relatives were slave traders They courted for a while, and then Lincoln kind of got a bad feeling about it and called it off. And then later, they met at a party, and Lincoln decided, yeah, we should get married. And two months later, they were married at a mansion down south with slave traders in the audience. And they lived happily ever after, madly in love, floating through all the problems of their life, didn't they? Those of you who know Lincoln know I am lying at this point. Totally lying. They they did not. Oh my goodness. On the day of his wedding, Lincoln was asked, Where are you going? Insinuating a honeymoon, things like that. Where are you going? What's the celebration going to be? Lincoln's response was to hell, I suppose. Let's hope Mary never heard that. His marriage was more of a burden than a source of strength. Sometimes that feels true, doesn't it? His wife's sanity and way of showing support were always questionable. During the war, many of the in-laws of his wife, you know, his wife's family members, were fighting and dying to stop Lincoln. Was God involved in the marriage? Did God give Lincoln a personal reason to seek forgiveness and restoration? Was he involved? Was he fitted? I think you guys are coming to the same conclusion that I have. God was shaping this man's life. He had no idea. He had no idea what God was going to do with him. Let's go on a little, let's talk a little bit about his beliefs in God. Um, you'll hear a story, if you, you may read this on the internet or whatever, but I found it a few times. Uh, secular people like to say about uh, Lincoln that he was a skeptic for, throughout his whole life. He said this, he said, When I do good, I feel good. And when I do bad, I feel bad. That is my religion. That's true. He did say that. But he said that early on in his life. He, did, he was a skeptic early on. But after Lincoln had suffered through some storms and difficulties and trials, and after he got over some issues with his father and the religion that they followed, things began to change. In the, or in the 1840s, Lincoln revealed his belief that he, he thought a higher power was controlling and speaking to the minds of all men and therefore directing all the activities of humanity. Does that sound like faith to you? In the 1950s, Lincoln started to show a belief that he believed God was good and that people needed to follow His will. When you've been through as many storms as Lincoln has been through, so many deaths and difficulties and trials and defeats, you might become a skeptic. That's a temptation in the storms. But he, he drew closer to God, and I think God drew closer to him. Now, the brightest spiritual lights in, in Lincoln's life were his children. Um, he said he was, the people that watched him interact said he was remarkably fond and affectionate towards his son. Later in life, he regularly attended church and quoted the Bible, often giving it his highest praise and greatest devotion. So you ask the question, was he a secularist? I don't think so. Read some of the closing speeches of his life. Uh, I don't think so. Um, His firstborn son, Robert Todd, lived on into adulthood. His second son, Edward Baker, died at four years old of tuberculosis. After his death, Lincoln became a man who repeatedly said, I depend upon the Lord for strength. Did God use even the death of his children to shape his heart? His third son, William Wallace, died at the age of 12 from bilious fever. We don't even know what that is. It's just something that they say when they don't know how he died. He just died from bilious fever. After, Will, after Willie died, Lincoln spent two months in solitude and in prayer, and he emerged a different man. People said when he came out of that time, he was entirely different. Uh, he He had a moral direction to everything that he did. Shortly thereafter, he signed the Emancipation Proclamation, freeing the slaves. He said, God has decided in favor of the slaves. Now, people who don't believe in God don't say those kind of things. Right? And it's apparent that he really believed. Toward the end of the war and in the few days after it, Lincoln worked tirelessly to unify our broken nation. And five days after the war ended, ended, Lincoln told his wife, I would love to go see the Holy Land. And that night, he was shot in the back of the head and died early the night. I think he went to see the Holy Land. Lincoln's last descendant died in 1985. There is no heritage left of him. And if you were to look at Lincoln's personal life, it would be one tragedy after the next. A litany of storms relentless in how they changed him and affected him we get a a cloudy hindsight of of lincoln's life that he never had but imagine being him being that person who endures one storm after another he said he was buffeted on all sides constantly attacked while he was a president the president the war started because he became president death, defeat, loneliness, struggle, failure, injustice, difficulty, just kept coming. And I believe, and I hope I convince you too, that God was at work in every storm. That God was busy doing something greater than Lincoln ever imagined. And it didn't just involve the way Lincoln thought. It involved every fiber of Lincoln's emotional and spiritual being, God was intimately fitting the man's heart and mind to the task that he was assigned. So let's go back to the clip at the beginning. Right? Lincoln will admit he was really important. The question is maybe the question that the the telegraph operator said. He didn't know about himself. Am I fitted into the times that I'm born? Am I important at all? Does my life mean anything? He said, maybe Lincoln was. You know, I don't know about myself. You may be, sir, fitted. How would you answer Lincoln's question? Are you important enough that the Creator of the universe, that divine and grand engineer, that made all the mechanisms that involve all of creation is personally involved in shaping your heart and your mind through every storm and every difficulty that you go through? Are you that important? Do the storms and trials and difficulties you endure have a point or a purpose? I believe the answer to those questions all depends on what you do with Jesus Christ if you have Christ all the pain starts will have a point and a purpose and make sense and if you follow him it happens more and more and it gets greater and fuller but without Christ well you're the engineer in the story aren't you there is no point to the pain or purpose God might do good things, but they won't benefit you. Does that make sense? Without Christ, you can't receive the blessings of God. We're all caught up in an unseen spiritual war with eternal ramifications that are far more important than the civil war. That was a physical war fought with swords and guns and horseback and cavalry. And it was over and it ended. The fight that you're in is eternal. And the souls of the people that you affect by God's great power is incredibly important. And I want to remind you that you are important. People who ignore or reject Jesus as Lord and Savior are called enemies of God, stuck in slavery to sin. It says this in Romans 3.23, For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. People who turn from sin and ask Jesus to be their Lord Lord and Savior are made right in God's sight by faith in Jesus. Romans 3.22, just the verse before it says this, We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are when you give yourself to Christ takes all the experiences even the mistakes and errors and pain and struggle and gives them purpose and He uses them to shape you and He uses you to shape others and life becomes whole and meaningful despite the pain and the storms trusting Christ brings you from one side of the eternal struggle to the other doesn't it? Enemy of God, friend of God, right? Slave to sin, slave to righteousness. Death, life, darkness, light. We're starting to get the picture here. That is your first step in being fitted. Over time, Lincoln moved from being a skeptic to becoming a Christ follower. And God guided him to become more than he could ever have dreamed. He gave Lincoln's past, his pain, his struggle, his storms. He gave them a purpose. And he can do the same with you. I pray that you take that first step in being fitted into God's plan by just saying, Jesus, I accept you as Lord and Savior. If you haven't done that, please, today's the day. Now, after you receive Christ, it's all good, right? I mean, everything gets easy and, and there's happiness and bunnies and cotton candy and, it's, and carnival rides and everything is good and easy or well, your children become perfectly behaved and everything in life goes your direction, right? Uh, happily ever after. no. The trials and the storms, the difficulties and the pains keep coming. But there are some things to remember, right? That doesn't mean there's something wrong with you if the problems come or the children rebel or brokenness comes into your home or someone dies. It doesn't mean that God has left. Jesus says... Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. God allows us to go through extremely difficult storms. Overwhelming at times. These things scare us, and they hurt us, and they cause us to lose sleep. Anybody want to say, Amen, I've been through storms? They hurt But don't think that the presence of the storms means He's absent or He's punishing you. They are used by Him who is able to accomplish infinitely more than we ever hoped or dreamed for the glory of Jesus Christ. So how do we endure all these storms and struggles as believers? You've got to keep a good perspective. Romans 8.28 says this, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purposes for them. I want to pause here. Has anybody ever heard the phrase, you know, it's all good. God's going to work it all out for good. We're going to be fine. You've heard that, right? There is a part two of that statement. If you love God and are called according to His purposes. If you're doing what He intends. If you're following Christ, it will have a purpose and a point. If you're not, no guarantees here. The only way to follow, you know, the only way to have a purpose and a point is to follow Christ. And so, God is present within this with us in the storm. God is using this storm for his greater purpose if we choose to love and trust and obey Him in the midst of the storm. Do not fear. You are safe. Right? Even in the midst of the storm, God is working out a bigger plan than is, that is greater than you could ever imagine. He is busy shaping hearts and the character of people in the storms. only if we allow His Spirit and His truth to be there present in our struggle, right? You've got to let Him speak to the pain and the challenges, right? In the end, the storms of life will be for our good if we choose to love God. There's some things I want to share about what I've learned personally in the storms of life. And one of them is this. If you could see from His perspective You would never, ever dream to undo what He has done, no matter how much pain it may cause you. And I'll give an illustration of this. A few years ago, one of my students, Barbie Kimball, was killed in a car accident. I was taking my son out to Red Robin, and I got the call from Dan. Pastor Dan in the parking lot and I was rattled to the core and I gripped the steering wheel and wanted to tear it off. I was so mad and so hurt. I was rattled and I went to her house and I listened to her mother sob and scream to me on the phone And their tears were all over me, and they were mixed with my own. I had a big issue with God taking one of my students. I did not like his plan, I did not like the pain that was involved in his plan. I was angry, I was confused. And I became very distrusting of Him. I did not like Him. And so I think I did the right thing. I began to pursue Him and question Him and shake my fists at Him and ask Him why. You know, I didn't just experience my own pain. I got to see this family go through it. And I was so upset. And then God... Gave me a dream, and I don't know. This dream, I don't know if it's from the Bible or 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 where it came from, and I can't say God, you know, definitively. But I believe this was God speaking to me, in a, in the way that only He can. I saw Barbie Kimball in this dream on the edge of heaven, standing. And she was looking surprised at Jesus. You know, and the last thing she knew, she was sleeping in a car. And now she's standing before him. And she asked him, why am I here so early? And he put his arm around her shoulder and turned her around and faced her towards earth. And he let her see his plan unfold for a little while. He saw how each life was affected and how eternity was changed. He, she saw how hearts were softened softened, and how God used the brokenness that her death initiated to bring about eternal good in the world. Lasting Good. And after she she saw all this, he kind of grabbed her chin and pulled it towards his face. And he said, do you want me to undo that? She was so casual in her answer. She just said, no. And she grabbed his hand, and they walked into heaven together. I'll never want to undo what he has done, no matter how much I dislike it or don't understand it. Once I see the world and the things that he does from his perspective, it's his way. All his ways are good and just and right. Lincoln says that towards the end of the inaugural his second inaugural address. God's ways are mysterious, and we need to trust Him, even when it hurts, and it makes no sense, and it scares us. Storms can tempt us to take an easy, sinful way out, as well. anybody ever been tempted in the midst of a great trial to need some sinful relief, you need to escape, you need to get out of this situation? They can also make us resentful of God and lead us to refuse His comfort. They can tempt us to withhold forgiveness. They can tempt us to grow bitter. They can tempt us to drink in constant excess until we can't feel anymore. They can tempt us to use drugs to escape. Let's not underestimate the power of storms that cause us to grow weak. Lincoln was good at controlling his emotions so that he made the right decision, the faithful decision, especially in the end. So I would say don't let your emotions make the decisions when you're in a storm. Let your faith in Christ lead you and comfort you take refuge in his sovereignty that when this is all over you won't change a thing even though you really want to right now you really wish you could he's the boss God wants you to use you and your life to set the captives free and this may require some severe and intense storms some difficulty personal strife but in the end the victory will be given to you in Christ all that you spent here on earth, all that you gave all that you sacrificed will be returned to you tenfold right you will not want to undo it so in the storms don't try to escape but run to him seek him try and find Him in every situation of life. He is the author and perfecter of our faith. we got to keep our eyes on Him. I want to close with a Scripture. Romans 8, 35. And on. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does, he mean, does it mean He no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity? Or are persecuted, or hungry, or destitute, or in danger, or threatened with death? No. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from the love, of, from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. You're safe. It's going to turn out okay. But this is not going to be easy. Amen. Let's seek Him. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, um, there are so many storms to go through. Um, Even people in our congregation today know the Mallet family with Jenna. And she's got some issues with her heart. Uh, And that is a storm for their family. And we pray that Your presence would be with them as they walk through that storm a continual storm for them. We pray that their faith would be stronger and their confidence would be in Your great plans to use all things for the good of those who are who love the Lord and are called, in, called according to His purposes. We pray You keep her safe in Your arms and that her healing would be quick and fast and, and that she would be... Um, just miraculous in the life that she lives from this point forward. And so God, um, we can't pretend to understand why you do what you do or how you do what you do or how any of it can go right again or how it's going to be restored, but we do know that you love us, that you're involved, and that you want to comfort us and guide us through every storm. Help each and every one of us to do that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.